going on, everybody? Long time no talk. Glad to have you guys with me, everybody listening from the podcast, whether you are a a new listener or uh, you've been with me since the beginning. Uh, This is the All In Man Cave podcast. I am your wonderful host, Cole Haight. A lot of stuff going on in the world right now. We're getting heated up with some uh, NFL Combine news. Uh, the Combine just started, I believe, yesterday. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be digging into some of that, some of the stuff uh, that's going on with that. But I'm going to give it a few days, kind of see how these people work out. Um, but the Combine does start this week. Also, a little flash from the past, I've got a lot of people talking to me. Uh, some of my friends at work wanted to kind of reevaluate where I thought these divisions uh, would go when I did uh, way back when at the beginning of the All In Man Cave podcast back in June. Uh, I did the divisional recaps for all of the NFL divisions, all the NFL teams predicted what their records would be uh, and what uh, where each team would kind of fall you know, within their four team divisions. So I'm going to do... Uh, the AFC today, uh, and then do the NFC either t- on tomorrow's pod or Friday. Haven't decided whether or not I'm going to come out with back-to-back pods. Uh, we'll kind of see what goes on with the combine today. Uh, it's probably currently going on. Obviously, it's currently going on, but we'll see the news that comes out there. But got a few little news and notes to go over first, and then we'll dig into what actually happened in the AFC this season and what I predicted and how far off or how far directly right on I was with some of these teams and their records so let's hop right in and and Tyler and Tim are probably going to listen to this podcast at some point but they must be cringing uh cringing right now the sport they love so much and I love having them on this podcast to talk about which is MLB baseball uh huge hit for MLB baseball they are uh, starting to push push dates back, and they're starting to cancel games. Uh, the the MLBPA and 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 baseball as a whole cannot come to an agreement on anything. Uh, their talks have been pretty uh, pretty non evolutionary, uh, pretty not developing. They're they're not getting pretty much anywhere uh, with what the players want versus what the owners want, and, and it's 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 a shame. Uh, because uh, it's kind of like a domino effect if you think about it. So at first, everybody's worried. They're talking. There might be a lockout. Then there actually is a lockout, which was basically step one. Step two, the lockout's not going well. The conversations aren't going well. Spring training games get uh, pushed back slash canceled because uh, we don't honestly know what's going to happen yet because there hasn't been any developing stories on it. Uh, and now opening day games are starting to get canceled. So uh, we'll see how far this goes. I don't really know uh, what's actually going to 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 happen uh, with baseball. I don't know how far off they are. I don't have the ins and outs. I don't have the sources. I'll have to talk to Ty, uh, Tyler, or Tim, and, and or maybe both of them, and kind of figure out: Are is there a type of way that they're leaning? Uh, the players are leaning. Uh, is anybody going to give? What's going to happen? Uh, but just with baseball, uh, if you guys did not hear, all the avid baseball fans out there are going to be like, "Oh, that's old news." But uh, Derek Jeter has stepped down officially as CEO of the Marlins. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about why that is. Uh, if you remember Tim in our MLB podcast where we talked about the lockout, uh, he's not the biggest Derek Jeter fan, thinks that he sold out basically a lot of the Marlins players to the Yankees uh, that could have made them relevant as a small market team. Uh, Tim was uh, pretty pretty happy uh, when Derek Jeter stepped down. He's not the biggest fan of him, but 
Uh, it's kind of a big hit, and there's a lot of stuff out there. The the one thing that I think kind of sticks to me, uh, where 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 I can relate to why Derek Jeter would want to step down, is that he his his organization is nowhere close. Uh, to, to being competitive, and he's a competitive player, and he was a competitive baseball player for his entire career uh, with the New York Yankees. Now, to his own, uh, he basically he he made his bed, so now he's got to lie in it. So, so if you're gonna get rid of all of the all of the the potential prospects, you're you're gonna kind of sell them off uh, to other teams uh, and not officially, basically, not pay them to to stay. Uh, and the fan base. Uh, for the Marlins, not very good. Uh, Tyler has been to uh, the Miami Marlins home park. Uh, he's been to pretty much every baseball stadium on the East Coast. And he said, that he told me he's lucky uh, or we're lucky or the Marlins are even lucky for getting more than 10,000 fans in that stadium. That probably can hold uh, four or five times that if it's fully fully crowded in there. So uh, I'm not too surprised with Derek Jeter stepping down due to the competitive uh, uh, competitiveness, uh, probably not a word, but another word I probably created on this podcast. But uh, he, his team's not competitive. It's not fun watching. And it, that's for all sports fans out there uh, or all sports-related people out there. If your team's not good or your team's not even competitive, it's not fun to be around. And and everybody can relate to that, whether you're a, a huge sports fan, you played sports growing up, or you do anything relatively competitive at all. Uh, if you if you can't get anywhere close to winning or you think you don't have a good chance of winning and you're a competitive person, it's not going to be fun for you. And that's a daily conversation that I have with people that aren't competitive and that are. Uh, and it doesn't have to be just my friends. It could just be anyone, random people, uh, other podcasters. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a competitive person and you can't, the the, the competition is what drives you. It's, it's, it's what you consider a very good tool to, to getting better. So if, if you're if you're not experiencing that feeling and and you feel like you are at a huge disadvantage as a competitive person, you're not going to have as much fun and you're not going to be you're not going to enjoy yourself, which is where I think Derek Jeter was. So we'll keep an eye on the MLB. Uh, anybody who gets any type of alerts from ESPN or wherever you get your sports info. You're going to get the update as to if they're going to have this season, when it's going to happen, and how many games are going to be affected. So we'll keep an eye on that. But moving on from from the MLB, let's talk about the Combine a little bit. So uh, there's a lot of interesting prospects in this year's draft. Uh, There's been media coverage uh, for a lot of these players that are going to be in the top 10, but it's different. I think it's a little bit different this year, and it might just feel a little bit different because last year there was no combine uh, due to the COVID pandemic, but it just seems like there's a lot of coverage in the top, I'll say, 20 to 25 prospects, but there's not really any coverage outside of that. It's really hard to dig and to find info on some of these players. Yeah, you can get like top 100 ranks, but you can't get any video coverage. At this point, I feel like there would be Mel Kuyper videos out uh, of him covering some of these prospects and kind of seeing what's going on uh, with them, how they performed in their own in their own division in college, whether it be the Pac-12, ACC, or what have you. I just feel like there's less coverage of some of these like day two, day three type draft picks. And we're, we're seeing uh, a lot of stuff where uh, the media is covering this and, and sports figures, television 
television stars that have to do with sports podcasters at all the influence that those people have on the media and getting stories out it just seems like there's like a top 20 um and and there's really not much talk of anything else what i've taken from the combine and some of the things that maybe uh, the average person who wouldn't know uh would take from it is there's a lot of depth at, at certain positions in this draft and and those positions are cornerback wide receiver and offensive line and those are some key key positions for some of these teams that are looking for a player to to consider as a leader uh to kind of turn around their unit whether it be the offense defense or even special teams but it's not a very a very strong quarterback class so and that's where typically all the eyeballs go uh especially in terms of the media coverage and what these some of these teams in the nfl are looking for so we'll keep an eye. I'm going to do some digging uh, for the, for our next podcast, uh, whether it'll come out tomorrow or Friday. Nonetheless, we'll talk about some of the prospects and where they kind of fit in and what their strengths and weaknesses are. But as of right now, uh, there's a top I, – I think it's very interesting how the top ten might shake out. Uh, the top two teams in the draft this year, the Lions and the Jaguars, are both open uh, to trading their picks uh, and or trading their draft spot. Uh, and trading down. So if they're both open for that, this might get a little bit more interesting than it seems like it, it'll get. Uh, so there's a lot of edge rush up towards the top. Aiden Hutchinson kind of leads the way on that. Kayvon Thibodeau uh, also kind of up there, uh, as well as Evan Neal uh, and, and and some of the offensive tackles that are going to come out uh, and whether or not they're worth uh, that, that draft stock that they're kind of building right now. Uh, the big guy from NC State, uh, it, his name is slipping me right now. But but those two guys, uh, him and Neil as well, who I just mentioned, are, are kind of those offensive tackles, all Americans uh, type type players that that could definitely have an impact on some of these offense offenses that need help on the offensive line. And then you got the cornerbacks, and and whether you work out at the combine or you don't work out at the combine, I don't really consider the combine as important as a lot of other people do uh just because there's a lot of unrealistic things that you're looking at i would love to see and i think this is where tape uh watching them in college watching the tape i think you could take more away from that uh than just watching them run 40 yards and seeing how fast they run uh how often do you actually as an nfl football player regardless of position how how often do you run 40 yards in a straight line with no defenders also, how often as a wide receiver uh, do you have no one around you trying to defend you uh, and to see how good your hands are in some of these drills that they do at the combine? I just think it's a little unrealistic. Now, you can take some some good from it. Like It's not completely useless to have an NFL combine, and that's basically uh, given to me by the fact that people keep showing up uh, because they want to make their draft stock go up. They want to try and impress and and it's it's important to have the NFL combine. There's just a lot of people out there that make combine week of the really the most important week of the off season. And that's that, that goes to a lot of people that I've talked to and different types of people, whether they just be avid fans who dig in from home uh, via the Internet, whether it be sports podcasters, whether it be TV personalities, whether it be coaches and, and, and GMs. There's a lot of different people that consider the combine a very important tool. Whereas me personally, I feel like the tape, 
I feel like the tape from college, whether you think that the the competition is weak or not, uh, I want to see what this player does with a defender on him. I want to see what this player does uh, out of a out of a break. Uh, and how he c- kind of creates separation. I want to see what his hands look like when he's getting defended. I want to see what he's running like between the tackles and outside the tackles. I want to see how he throws when a play breaks down. I want to see all of these things that I can't see in the NFL Combine because there's no defense and because they're not being crowded, being pressured. Like It's almost as if I would have a, a, a more respectful outlook if I could just hear these guys getting interviewed by these teams which will never be legal or never happen uh, because there's there's no way the NFL is going to allow it but I want to see what it's like uh, I want to see what the interview process is like say say the Minnesota Vikings I'll just use my own team for example are looking at a cornerback I want to see what their interviews look like in the interview process uh, just for them getting to meet each other like uh, the Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati and Derek Stingley Jr., uh, two of the top uh, cornerback prospects in this year's draft. I, I want to see their interviews with the Minnesota Vikings. I want to see their responses to some of the questions that the Vikings asked them as to why they would be a good fit for the team. That might even get me more than uh, just watching the Derek Stingley Jr. or Sauce Gardner uh, who has a very cool freaking name, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I don't. I just don't want to watch them uh, backpedal and, and catch a forty-yard pass as, that they're calling an interception. So it's it's very, it's a very touchy subject, and not by touchy. It's like extremely emotional, and and it hits some type of way. But I just don't feel as strongly about the importance of the combine as a lot of other people I know do. Now, that may not be true for you guys listening out there, and and you guys may disagree with me, which is fine. Like, this is not, like, the, no free, no judgment zone. Free judgment zone, just like Planet Fitness. If you guys are at, in anywhere near Eastern Pennsylvania or you've gone to a Planet Fitness, no judgment zone. So, that that's just the way I stand on the combine. I want to take a look at some of these prospects. I'm way more intrigued on the day two, day three prospects than I am in the round one. Um, I don't think the 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 round one. There's a clear gap between a round one player and a a day three player, but some people are saying that the gap's closing between the end of the first round player and the middle of the second round player. So uh, it's interesting to see how these teams navigate that, whether or not they have multiple picks within a round, whether they trade up in a round, to see these, these players that are considered middle-of-the-line middle second-round picks. Uh, and maybe teams feel so confident enough to s- select them in the end of the first round or at the end of the first round. So I'll, I'll dig into some of these prospects, see what, what they look like after a few days at the Combine, and we'll talk about that on the next podcast. But just something, uh, a little nugget I wanted to put out there for you guys to maybe think about a little bit. And the last thing before we get to the get to the divisional recaps for the AFC, uh, the media coverage for the, for, the, for the quarterbacks that may or may not be on the move uh, from these teams, at the, and they are their starting quarterbacks. Uh, the media coverage has been so back and forth. It's almost like it's bipolar. It's quite odd. So uh, once these the season ended uh, and people started to speculate, any quarterback that pretty much every quarterback that could leave was being portrayed to leave. So Aaron Rodgers, the hype was he's going to the Broncos. Seattle Seahawks, the hype was Russell Wilson doesn't want to be there. He wants to go somewhere else. And he already released information 
uh, last year that he was available to be traded or would accept a trade to certain locations. Then he was on the move. Uh, the opposite was th- was true for the Vikings, whereas they hired a GM, and right before that GM was hired, uh, the team and the organization seemed as if Kirk Cousins was going to stay. Now it seems like Kirk Cousins is going to leave. And there's stuff coming out about Kirk Cousins. Derek Carr, same situation. Does Josh McDaniels, their new head coach, want to keep Derek Carr and extend him without a full year or any time underneath, underneath their belts? So he doesn't even know, and he's never coached Derek Carr, he's never had a practice with Derek Carr, but all of a sudden, they're now conjoined at the hip, and and do they? And, and Derek Carr's either going to get extended or he's going to leave, because somebody will pay him more money than he's currently getting paid. So now now Derek Carr could have been on the move, now there's a possibility that, that he may stay. And there's plenty of other uh, quarterbacks like that. You have Deshaun Watson, who said that he wanted uh, to go to multiple teams. Then his camp came out and said he didn't want to go to teams. Now his camp's coming out and saying, "Well, there might be a, we might be open to the idea of." So there's there's the way the media portrays this. I think is genius. Now is all of all of what the media tells you about the NFL true? Absolutely not. There is no way that the media 100% is honest every time they break a story. There's no way. Something is at fault, and when something comes out, somebody wanted it out. Now, whether that be the the camp of, of the player, whether it be the player, or whether it be the team, depending on what the situation is, somebody is pulling a string, and somebody is leaking info because they want the info leaked in most cases. Sometimes it gets leaked by accident. Somebody tells somebody's uncle who tells somebody's cousin who knows the cousin of this guy or some weird situation like that. But the Aaron Rodgers stuff is absolutely insane to follow. And that's why I talk about him so much in on this podcast. Unfortunately, because I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan. But at first he was disgruntled. Then then, then he's saying that he do, he might doesn't know what he wants to do. And now stuff's coming out where he wants to get paid $50 million a year. And that the Packers have a short-term deal ready for him. But what if he doesn't want a short-term deal? What if he wants a long-term deal? A lot of this stuff gets broken for a reason. And when you guys are sifting through NFL media and sifting through blogs, sifting through vlogs, sifting through podcasts, what they release on NFL Network on live TV, what whatever it is, just make sure that you're doing digging on your background of of the person who released the article. There's a lot of Vikings articles I read that that I'm I'll see who wrote it, and based on what I've seen them release before, will not take any merit to it, depending on who it is. I'm not going to name drop, but there's a lot of people that release Vikings media. A lot. Writers from Minnesota. Writers from a certain podcast. Writers from papers in Minnesota. Minnesota fans, long-term fans. Former Minnesota team uh, team players. Former coaches. Former GMs. There's a lot of info and a lot of media that comes out. And just make sure you do all your digging before formulating your opinion on something that most likely is true or most likely isn't true depending on who released it. But the media coverage for the quarterbacks, and I'm not surprised that this happened. I'm not surprised that this is happening. Uh, Quarterbacks are the most polarizing figures in football. They're the leader of your football team. They touch the ball about 70 times a game. Uh, They have the, the, the most impact on the final score than any other player. And you can disagree with me if you think so, but having the ball for what it's probably 70% of the game in some games, maybe 50% other games. It's just, they're a very influential person to an outcome of a football game. 
And if you're not comfortable with your quarterback, you're not comfortable with your team uh, because your quarterback's on the field a lot of a game. So, and it's interesting coming from me as a as an avid Vikings fan, where your whole coaching staff has flipped. Your quarterback and your team currently, with no major cuts yet, has not flipped. Which means it's going to flip. Pieces are going to fall. People are going to leave. People are going to be added. We're currently over the cap. So the interesting part of this is going to be a surprise whenever the hammer drops. This this new organization is going to go a direction, and some people are not going to fit that direction. So I'm excited to see who that is and what the plan is. I may not be too happy with who gets cut and who stays, but there's going to be a clear direction based on the coaches hired, and that goes for every team in the NFL. And we'll talk about these teams as we go through this these recaps and see how close I was, which cough, cough, was not that close. Um, but there's been a lot of changes, positive and negative, for a lot, of, a lot of teams in the NFL so far. So without further ado, I've named this podcast, How Wrong Was I? Uh, because we're going back to the back to the divisional recaps and what I've named. So we'll go through the divisions. I'll talk a little bit about about each team and how far I was off. So we'll, we'll start we'll start with the with the AFC South. Uh, so at the beginning of uh, well before the year even started, uh, this is how I had the AFC South going: uh, Titans at twelve and five, Colts at eleven and six, Jaguars at eight and nine, and Texans at five and twelve. The actual records for these teams: Titans at twelve and five, Colts at nine and eight, Jags at three and fourteen, and the Texans at four and thirteen. So I, I'm I'm impressed I was able to get the Titans completely spot on, even with Derrick Henry missing, God only knows, probably six-plus games. Uh, I feel like he was out for the whole half of the, the second half of the season. So uh, pretty impressive for that team and what they were able to do defensively. And I know I've talked about that a lot, uh, especially on these podcasts as we were doing uh, weekly recaps, as we were doing game recaps. Uh, it's it, it's very impressive what the Titans were able to do defensively and what they were able to get out of their offense without Derrick Henry for half a season. Uh, but what I really want to bring up is uh, Carson Wentz had two sh- really shitty games this year, both the last two games of the season. Uh, and they, if they win those games, not only do they make the playoffs, but I'm also right on their record as well. I gave the Jags too much credit. Urban Meyer blew that team up, uh, so I was off by a lot on the Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, being paired with Doug Peterson may be the best offseason move to date, Uh, and that includes the Vikings finding a head coach that I love, but I think Doug Peterson is going to be able to work some magic uh, with Trevor Lawrence to try and get him some confidence. Uh, That Urban Meyer and his ridiculous coaching staff took from Trevor Lawrence, basically wasting his rookie year. Uh, and then the Texans, and listen, I had them in the basement, and, and they finished one one less win and one more loss than I expected. Uh, their team is a joke and is in shambles right now. Uh, Deshaun Watson says he's never going to play for him again. Uh, honestly, uh, for how bad their roster looks right now, uh, their team outperformed their roster, honestly. And and I gave them probably a little bit more credit having them go 5-12. and 12. Uh, but but here's the deal. Uh, get the negativity off of your team and kind of start fresh. Uh, they hired Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith doesn't take crap from nobody. And he made that Chicago Bears team for as long as he was a head coach for them. Pretty decent, not only on defense, but also they were disciplined in every facet of the game. 
Uh, so Deshaun Watson, uh, up, down, here, and uh, just give, give yourself a, give yourself a floor. And if anybody offers you anything close to the floor, I would take it and get rid of him. And honestly, uh, he's more he's going to be more harm than he is good, especially with a team that's trying to rebuild. You saw some positivity from Davis Mills, uh, your, your rookie from last year that you drafted out of Stanford. I think he's got potential. He played a lot better than people thought he would play. And and even on that football team, he was able to find successes, which is a lot more to a lot to say considering what people expected from him when he exit or when he entered into some of these games he started. So uh, a lot to take away from that. Not even close in the order. Actually, I was kind of close in the order, uh, to be honest. Got the top two, but not the bottom two in the division. Uh, but pretty happy I got. Uh, one in the AFC, 100% right. I did get another one, so two for 16 is not bad, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Next division we'll go over is the AFC North. Uh, I had the Browns going 13-4, and four, the Ravens going 10-7, and seven, the Steelers going 9-8, and eight, and the Bengals going 6-11. and 11. Uh, This, uh, I had it completely backwards, uh, and none of, the, none of the numbers were even close. Uh, so in in order again, um, the, the those were my my projections uh, in my divisional recaps. The actual uh, final records for these teams: Browns eight and nine, Ravens eight and nine, Steelers nine seven and one, which is close if you count the t- if you give me the tie, I get that one right. Uh, but they didn't beat the the Lions, so I don't get credit for that. Uh, and then the Bengals ten and seven. Uh, so I had this division completely ass backwards. I didn't expect the Bengals to come out the way they came out. I didn't expect that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase uh, were going to have the year that they had, as well as I didn't expect them to be able to run the football with Joe Mixon that effectively. I saw the weakness in their offensive line. I saw the weakness in their defense as a whole. Uh, But their defense played really well, similar to the Titans that we just talked about uh, in the AFC South. But it's very interesting. It's very interesting that I got these ones completely ass backwards. I was off by a lot on the Browns and the Ravens uh, due to COVID and due to injuries. That's pretty much what I'm going to lay the excuse on for being off by that much. Baker Mayfield playing three quarters of a year with a with a torn labrum. He had ankle issues. He had knee issues, uh, as well as uh, their two star running backs missed some time as well. Uh, and then and they unloaded Odell Beckham Jr., who I thought was going to have a huge year this year, and that clearly did. Did not happen predominantly with the Browns. Uh, he did have a really good year with with the Rams uh, after he did get to uh, L.A. Uh, but I was I'm gonna blame that on on I'm gonna blame the injuries and the uh, and and possibly the COVID impact uh, from this season, especially the first half of the season, uh, for the reasons why I was off by that much. Also, Lamar Jackson. Uh, the, the Ravens took a huge hit at the running back position. Uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, Lamar Jackson missed a decent amount of games, and their defense just started to give up a huge amount of points. And that's something you know t- you typically don't see from a Ravens defense. Uh, so uh, those two pretty surprising. Now we talked about the Bengals a little bit. The Steelers. Now the Steelers ended up going nine seven and one. I have no idea how. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, and this kind of took off from from the previous season, uh, from 2020, when they started. I what was it, 11 and 0, uh, and then ended up losing a lot of games, or started 10 and 0, losing a lot of games at the end of the season. People started to notice that they were throwing short passes, not throwing the ball down the field. That continued into this season. 
And that's basically what they did all season. The a big reason why they were able to get actually there's two two players that basically made them able to get nine wins this year. One of them is Najee Harris, and the other one is is T.J. Watt. Uh, T.J. Watt tied the sack record uh, currently held by Michael Strahan this year. He was a force to be reckoned with on defense. Now their defense did look soft at points this year, uh, but Najee Harris. Now his stats aren't going to jump off the page, and, and you're not gonna. You're not going to completely just, oh my lord, Najee Harris had a great season, rookie of the year. Uh, but he kept defenses honest, uh, and they gave him the ball a lot, and he got a lot of work. Uh, so if he's able to go through this this season, I don't think he was dinged up that many weeks, if any. So if he's able to take that much work, we might be looking at the next workhorse. I'm not comparing him completely to Derrick Henry, but... Uh, if he's going to be able to take a decent amount of work, uh, they may be able to to get around having an all-star quarterback for their team to be successful uh, because Najee Harris looked good, and I had him in fantasy all year. Uh, he was able to catch some passes out of the backfield, and he was able to get a decent amount of opportunities on the ground as well to get high points in fantasy football for anybody out there that owned him. So I was this was probably the worst division for me in terms of my projections versus the actual results. Um, but definitely a lot to take away from the AFC North. Next, the AFC West, the Chiefs. So these are my projections. I had the Chiefs at 13 and 4. I had the Chargers at 11 and 6. I had the Broncos at 7 and 10. And then the Raiders at 5 and 12. Uh, so the actual results in the same order were the Chiefs at 12 and 5, the Chargers at 9 and 8. The Broncos at 7-10 and 10 hit that one right on the money. That was the second one I got completely right. Uh, and then the Raiders at 10-7. and seven. So first we're going to talk about the Raiders and the Broncos. So uh, I was off on the Raiders. Their defense played well, and they went through a lot. So before all of this stuff went down with the Raiders and the issues with John Gruden and what he was doing, uh, as well as Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, uh, they went through a lot of player issues slash coach issues. Um, but they had they had the Italian guy step in, and and he was a great head coach. He was a great interim head coach. Uh, they ended up going ten and seven. I had him going five and twelve. Uh, that five and twelve looked really good after all of this stuff started to happen within the foot within the season uh, to the Raiders. But they were able to push through. They got a lot of uh, production out of Josh Jacobs. They got a lot of production out of people who stepped up like Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, uh, Darren Waller missed a decent amount of time as well, but they had uh, backup tight ends that were able to come in and kind of take in or absorb some of those targets for Derek Carr, and Derek Carr had another great season. Uh, so I was off on the Raiders for sure, uh, considering Adam Gumming in the, in the basement of this division, and they ended up coming in second. But the Broncos, I hit nail on the head, uh, and I expected them – even with a strong young core on their roster, to struggle. Now, they they struggled enough, and Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Teddy missed some games, Drew Locke came in and did Drew Locke-like things, uh, throwing interceptions, losing football games, you know, the typical Drew Locke-type situation. Um, but I hit that one right on the head, 7-10. and 10. Now, Javante Williams looks good. They have a young core of wide receivers. Their defense may lose a few people in free agency, but they have young depth behind the veterans that they had on that team, as well as bringing in Nathaniel Hackett. And if they can figure out the quarterback position with Javante Williams, they're talking about Melvin Ingram possibly staying and restructuring. So their two-headed monster at running back might work out uh, in terms of them keeping both players. 
So they can get the quarterback situation figured out and draft decently to fill holes on either their offensive line or on defense in general. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in this division. And I expect the AFC West to be strong. Uh, for the next upcoming few years, especially with the changes that were made at the coaching positions for all for all four of these teams, as well as the players and who has stepped up as a rookie and who hasn't. So we'll talk about the top two teams that I had, uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers next. So the Chiefs had a decent season. Now, a lot of people are saying it's disappointing. Yeah, everyone's going to say Chiefs seasons are disappointing unless they win Super Bowls. They set that that thing up for themselves. Um, and I think that's honestly how they feel. Uh, they've had, they had their ups and their downs. The chiefs offense is still the chiefs offense. Eric B enemy resigns for another one year deal. They have Andy Reed. They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Tyree kill. They have Travis Kelsey. Those players aren't going anywhere. What I'm worried about with the chiefs is the, the supporting cast. And they did find some solid players and learn more about some solid players on defense this year. I really like some of their defensive linemen uh, that they have and that they're going to be able to retain, as well as their two starting uh, their sorry their two starting linebackers. And Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are hell of a linebacking core, and that's coming from a Minnesota Vikings fan who currently has Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks. Uh, and it's not hard for me to admit that other teams have a better core, a better defensive skill set than the Vikings at linebacker. But I'd rather have Nick Bolton than Willie Gay. Uh, less money, they're younger players, and they're more athletic uh, compared. To, and they, they're multi-dimensional. Whereas I feel like Eric Hendricks can play in a four-three, but can't play in a three-four. I feel like Anthony Barr is going to want a dumb amount of money to play considering he restructured his contract for one year because he was going to seek free agency. Now, we'll see what happens. Um, but I really love Willie Gay and Nick Bolton on defense. Tyron Matthew in the back. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Tyron Matthew. I, I think he's a more of a linebacker that plays safety. Um, I, I just don't see him having – I never see him having good coverage skills. His tackling is good. He's able to play the run, and he can rush the passer from time to time, which basically sounds like a linebacker to me. Basically sounds like a linebackers. So uh, uh, they need to address the cornerback position, and they need to do it in the draft and quickly uh, with how deep this cornerback crew uh, is coming out of the draft with who you could possibly pick up in free agency or via trade. I think the Chiefs just need corners uh, because they give up a lot of pass yards. And they don't give up that many run rush yards, which leads me to the assumption that most people can make, which is actually the truth, where their front seven is solid and their back end is weak. So the Chiefs just need to address that, and they'll be back in the Super Bowl once again uh, because Patrick Mahomes is a hell of a player. Andy Reid's a hell of a coach. Some people question him, uh, as do I sometimes, depending on... Uh, you've never really seen Andy Reid lead a team that's not strong on their roster. All the time he spent in Philadelphia, he had a strong roster. He came to the Chiefs. He had a strong roster. I, I, I want to see from, from a top coaches of all time or top coaches in the league uh, perspective, what does he look like coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars roster from this past year? Uh, do his players make him look better than he is? I, th- th- those are very fair questions. Now, I still think Andy Reid's a great coach, but I want to see – and we might never see it. We might always see Andy Reid with a solid roster uh, and, and and his play calls work. But it seems like he's going in and calling these plays and kind of not changing up things as much as you should be really adapting year to year. 
And that's coming from a lot of Eagles fans that I've talked to. And they've seen that in Philadelphia. Now, whether he's changed and he's a little bit better in Kansas City, I'm not an Andy Reid expert, nor have I read his autobiography, nor do I know if he even has one. But we'll see what happens moving forward. And on the Chargers... Uh, they underperformed in a few games this year. I was, I probably should have been closer than they finished. Uh, two wins less than I expected this year. But Justin Herbert's a hell of a player. And, and their defense this year was atrocious. And coming from Brandon Staley, their new one year of head coach, uh, being a defensive guy, that don't look good. Now, Brandon Staley is on the hot seat. A lot of people are not the biggest fans of Brandon Staley uh, based on the fact that he goes for basically every fourth down regardless of where it is and the fact that he's a defensive-minded coach and his defense was bottom five, especially against the run. Uh, So they do have some pieces on that defense that are good. Uh, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, they have a few younger linebackers and some, uh, they got some veterans that may end up leaving them on the defensive line uh, and at the cornerback position. But Brandon Staley's going to have to reevaluate, especially if he's the one making calls uh, and they're and they're leaning on him to make defensive improvements. Uh, their defense was bad. Now I remember watching the Vikings do pretty much anything they wanted to against that team, uh, and the Vikings' defense last year was not good. Uh, I believe they were bottom six or bottom eight in every defensive category, uh, and their offensive line wasn't very good either. And they were able to move the ball effectively and stop uh, the Chargers on most plays that they tried to be somewhat creative and or fit to their scheme so we'll see what happens next year not too off on that one um I was off by a couple games for each team but I was kind of in the ballpark so definitely not the worst division and definitely not as bad as I was in the AFC North for sure all right and the last division in the AFC uh the AFC East I had the Buffalo Bills going 13 and 4 the Dolphins going 11 and 6 the Patriots going 8 and 9 and the Jets going 5 and 12 the actual results in the same order uh the Buffalo Bills 11 and 6 Dolphins 9 and 8 Patriots 10 and 7 and Jets 4 and 13 All right, let's start with the bottom two teams that I had in the Jets and the Patriots. So I'm not really surprised with the Jets, nor should anybody out there be. Uh, Zach Wilson dinged up throughout the year. They brought in people you've never heard of playing quarterback, as well as all of the things. And you guys probably don't remember, but they had an awful, unlucky offseason before the preseason started, losing a lot of defensive key starters and offensive line key starters. Before the seat, before the preseason even started, and those players were players that they sought out in free agency, signed, and then got hurt uh, before the season even started. So they were off to a bad start to begin with. Now, the Jets have some positivity coming out of their football year. Uh, you can say from from both sides of the football, uh, Marcus May, great player, may end up leaving uh, at the safety position. A lot of defensive players and free agents that they that did not play or weren't able to play due to injury this year might actually return based on what I'm reading. As well as the, the, the Michael Carter Jr. played well at the running back position. Corey Davis had a, a, an immediate impact uh, as a free agent signing out of Tennessee. As well as Elijah Moore looking fantastic at the wide receiver position as well. Now, they, they have some work to do at tight end. They're going to continue to try and build that offensive line, which will help Zach Wilson uh, be a little bit better at least than he was in his rookie season. 
Uh, and the Jets won't look as bad as they did this year, assuming they don't have the same type of outcome uh, with injuries, with with COVID and, and all that stuff. The, COVID seems like it's getting better. Uh, the pandemic seems like it's coming short, slowly but shortly to the end as people get vaccinated, as uh, more people are building antibodies to the virus. And this is no political slash pharmaceutical slash world health podcast. But it seems like COVID, the COVID impact is starting to lessen uh, in the world in general, but also in sports. So the Jets will see a little bit of a come up. Now on the the other team that I said I was going to start with, with the Patriots, uh, Mac Jones just outperformed what I thought was going to happen. Now, everything else that the Patriots went through and how they won football games, who they beat, I I was pretty much spot on. Uh, but Mac Jones was played a way better a way better football game as a whole and as a season than I really expected him to play in New England as a rookie. And that's where they got their two extra wins from. And to be quite honest with you, their defense was pretty predictably good. Uh, especially against bad teams, which Bill typically does, Bill Belichick typically does well. And they beat a lot of teams with young quarterbacks, which Bill typically does often. Uh, and I took a look at their schedule and they beat teams that they were that they were supposed to beat. And they had more surprising wins in there than I thought they would. And that's what it really comes down to. So we'll see what happens with the Patriots, whether they make a big splash, whether they don't in free agency. Typically, it didn't happen until last year when it happened a lot. So it's going to be an interesting year, whether you're a Patriots fan or just a football fan in general, to see if the Patriots go back to Bill Belichick making little to no moves uh, versus a very lot of moves uh, in the offseason leading into into the preseason of next season Uh, and then the top two teams I had was the Bills and the Dolphins Uh, the Buffalo Bills just went through a long long spurt of bad games Uh, and Josh Allen had a bit of a slump it's about a month uh, in general probably about a month I would guess uh, that he just didn't look right they weren't able to run the football and their defense was giving up too many big plays uh, so I had them going 13 and four they went 11 and six they still won the division uh, so I'm gonna call that pretty much close to a win there uh, but the Dolphins was very interesting I had a bet with somebody in my bowling league that the that the Vikings would have more wins than the Dolphins uh, this season that did not pan out and there's uh, twenty dollars that could have been better spent um, but uh, Tua Tonga Vailoa, uh, that's going to be what happens. And they they sign they sign Mike McDaniel to be the head coach. He brings Wes Welker over. You already have Tua and Jalen Waddle that have worked together under the tutelage of Mike McDaniel, considered a football genius uh, from the Shanahan tree, as well as Wes Welker, who's done wonders uh who did I guess did wonders with the 49ers uh wide receivers uh them coming out of nowhere being way better than expected I'm interested to see what happens because the Dolphins have a sneaky good amount of of solid wide receivers and Preston Williams and Devontae Parker Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller if they decide to keep him that, that's a pretty deadly four uh, starting wide receivers, if any, if all of them even get on the field. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Uh, sources out of Miami are saying that Mike McDaniel and Wes Welker love Tua. They love Jalen Waddle. Uh, they, they love what they have, and they're going to ride with Tua for at least one year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I really thought that they may leave. Uh, they may end up abandoning the Tua project and kind of seeing if they could get anybody to bite, maybe a Deshaun Watson, maybe an Aaron Rodgers, or even a Russell Wilson. 
Um, but it seems like they might stick with Tua, kind of maybe try and surround him with what exactly he needs to be successful, uh, which is a solid offensive line, a running game worth a shit, uh, and and passes and and routes developed within plays that is fits to a strength uh, of accuracy uh, and ball skills because uh, the, the receivers have a lot of ball skills and he has a lot of accuracy. So we'll we'll see moving forward if what happens with the Dolphins, what they do in the draft is kind of going to tell you the story of what direction they're going. But what I really expect, and, and Mike McDaniel does has done wondrous things in San Francisco, or I guess did wondrous things in San Francisco before leaving for Miami, uh, which was honestly a bit of a surprising coaching hire, to be honest with you. I didn't even think Mike McDaniel was going to be up for it. I thought his counterpart on the defensive side of the ball in D'Amico Ryans was going to be the guy that was going to end up leaving that staff. But in theory, it was the offensive guy uh, that left in Mike McDaniel. So we'll see what happens. They need to make upgrades on the offensive line they're going to lose some uh, key players on defense which they're going to have to either draft to try and fill or maybe go out in free agency I think they have a lot of cap space they're one of those teams that has a decent amount of cap space this year so even if they make minimal to no cuts they're going to have money to be able to spend so the Dolphins may be a surprise team to look out for uh, depending on how they draft and what they do in free agency or via trade All right, guys, I will have more news on the next podcast uh, as well as the NFC, uh, my picks, and what ended up happening. Uh, So thank you so much. I appreciate everybody listening out there. Uh, There's always going to be NFL news. Uh, I'm trying to branch out my my sports people, uh, and I may be having an NBA podcast uh, relatively soon. I'm trying to get people uh, committed, people that want to come on and talk NBA. Uh, Same situation. I love sports. I will watch any sport. I don't care what it is. Uh, Just not the biggest fan and or have the most knowledge of the NBA and the MLB. Uh, decently into hockey uh, as a personal love of mine. Uh, watched a lot of hockey in college. So hockey and football and golf are my sports. Uh, but I have a lot of friends who know a lot of things. Uh, and I consider myself a decent talker and a good host. So having the most amount of people on here as resources, I think is the best for you guys out there that enjoy the podcast, enjoy kind of some stuff that you may not know or some ideas uh, you may not agree with or ideas you do agree with but didn't have enough info on. Uh, so you tuned in to listen. So uh, trying to get an an NBA podcast set up. There's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA this year that was not expected for sure. Uh, but that's just like any sport on. Honestly, uh, in the past two years with COVID, with injuries, with drama, there's always news. Uh, and I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for all that news for our next podcast. So remember, next podcast is going to be news updates, going to talk some more about Combine, talk about some draft prospects, as well as my NFC divisional recap from way back in June. My NFC divisional recap and how close I was uh, to some of these uh, teams and their records. So thank you guys so much again. Keep checking the feed. Remember, add me on Twitter or follow me on Twitter at All in Man Cave Pod. Add me on Facebook, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D as in dog, T as in Tom. Uh, as well as just tell people about the podcast. Uh, if you like the podcast, tell somebody about it. Uh, friends, coworkers, family. It doesn't matter. Your girlfriend, your wife, your husband, doesn't matter. But I appreciate all the support. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I wouldn't do it if nobody listened and people are listening. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, like I always say, peace.